If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. Before I knew it, I had a robot. And the robot, like that, if you have 20 movements, there are so many that like this character comes out of on its own. So I've copied the program, press play, and then suddenly the drama starts to make its own beat. Berlin-based artist Kolja Kugler considers himself a sculptor, which he certainly is. But he never used to consider himself a roboticist. Almost by accident, Kolya began animating the sculptures which he crafts out of scrap metal. And the result is a crowd-pleasing band of robots that play real instruments. Called the One Love Machine Band, Kolya's creations have appeared throughout Europe, been a favorite at maker fairs, and there may very well be some additional band members in the future. Kolya, before we get to talking about the One Love Machine Band, how did you first discover your passion for art and sculptures, the point you made at your life's work? It kind of happened by chance, I guess, and, and kind of automatically. I was deciding I don't want to have a normal lifestyle. I want to like live in a truck and be wild and free. And I moved in a truck in a wagon site in Berlin. And across from my street, a year later, this artist company moved in on this other place of land. It was on Potsdamer Platz after the wall fell. And there was lots of room. It was in a really mad kind of scenery right in the center of Berlin. And we were living there and with our trailers, seeing the wall fall. And this artist company moved in across from me on the other side of the road. They called the Mutoid Waste Company. They're a very legendary English art group. And they were the ones who pushed me towards it. I, I mean, I've always had an affinity for art. And I always had a band already in primary school. But it was a Mutoid Waste Company who got me into art. They started to mutate scrap metal of what is around them. And that was, at the time, the military machinery of the fall of the wall. And they took all this military scrap material and turned it into beautiful sculptures like birds and robots, but not moving robots, just sculptures. And I was 20, 21, and I, with them I learned to weld. And I started also making birds out of scrap metal. And it developed a lifelong passion, which then later on you know, grew to become robots. So, yeah, that was from 92 in Berlin, 1992 when Berlin was like total mess, what was going to happen? And yeah, happened through the fall of the wall by using the military scrap and meeting the Mutoid Waste Company. Look them up. They're a legendary group. They're very still active in English subculture. Kolya, who grew up in West Berlin, recalled the days after the Berlin Wall fell. I was 18 when it happened, and it was amazing because it was life-changing because like you could totally see that what you get taught, like, and how things are. And I grew up in this mad world with wall, with the reality being, like, really shifted and crooked with this island in the middle of East Germany. And then I saw that this is not set, you know. It's like, it just can change from one day to the other. And on all our wildest dreams, like, there's this total beautiful, like, revolution and anarchy, like, for a while. A touch of anarchy was there when the wall fell. And there was no real order how it was going to go on. 
but everybody was involved in the revolution from the eastern side was so conscious and everybody was so happy that there wasn't not much bad things happening everybody kept themselves together there was no looting everything was like on the happy side it was, was so intense it, it was very one was the most intense thing i ever happened i was there when the wall fell that night my brother-in-law mm. went over there and took pictures and he said you can't even imagine it was mind-blowing what yes. do you consider one of the best creative lessons you learned from working with the mutoid waste company oh to actually what the name says to mutate waste to take to look at objects just to see my surroundings and then to pick and to select and and I see and just want to like create something out of it and I see in a bit of scrap metal and maybe a beak or a wing and then I start the hunt for more parts to make it to make it so obvious that not only me can see it with that first vague view but to in the finished sculpture that everybody can see that and that's this kind of challenge so now it's for me it, they taught me like to see and how and keep on playing even after i left childhood but in the arts you know i love keep on playing that is the best advice i think for anybody who's creative how do you from making birds from scrap metal to doing what you're doing right this minute with the one love machine band yeah that was kind of also a long process so for the first 10 years i was pretty fixed on birds you know i truly like grew and built then a dog <laughs> and two dogs and eventually uh, it came to humanoid there was lots of other things happening in between like i slipped into the techno and i did techno parties and traveling around with a sound system where i kind of got distracted but the main story how my sculptures turned into robots was so over this period of 20 years i building all these sculptures they become kind of more sophisticated i come over the dog in direction to humanoid and i did build this skull out of pliers and out of motorbike parts and uh, a bit of an electric motor as hair and just at that moment when i built the sculpture a friend of mine i was very close with this one guy who's also got a robot band as a compressor head a robo cross but he introduced he taught me the pneumatics the pneumatic came across our way the, the air piston thing so we found out oh this is air pistons you need a compressor you need a magnetic valve and then you can make this piston move in and out. And so I discovered that one. And then at the same time, I had this sculpture. And I thought, okay, there's a sculpture. I had pliers at the jaw, and I it could move. It, I could move it by hand. So I thought, okay, I put this piston in instead of moving it by hand, and make it automatic. So I had this, well, the first movement, this jaw of my now manager, Sir Elton Junk, who is now the manager, robot manager of the band, is traveling everywhere still. He's like. 22 years 23 years old almost but yeah so we started just talking and so i had just one button but even though it just one button there was like you know something else in it just by this remote and then i started sophisticating that like the eyes came the hair going up and then slowly the body underneath and it was a very slow process but before i knew it like i had a robot like for me it was still like a sculpture but people say oh it's a robot I'd never had much to do with robots all my life, really. I want to become a zoologist, you know, like, <laughs> like animals and stuff. And I don't regard myself very technical. It's like more and more about the shape and more alike. But because I want to have things moving, I deal with the things that I need hinges, you know, to make something move, I need a hinge. And then you have to compromise the sculpture by, by like, if you want a pneumatic, 
robotic sculpture, you have to have a piston and you need pipes and valves. And so that all has to go somewhere. And so that was kind of a challenge to integrate that the things I need, the hinges and some of the things which I said before I could just skip into the sculpture to make it still look like a sculpture, but have that extra life to have like two sculptures. If you move one sculpture, you have a different expression. So you got a kind of another sculpture. So you can make two sculptures in one sculpture by moving it. And the robot likes that if you have 20 movements, there are so many that like this character comes out of on its own, which I didn't plan. It's that the parts decide the kind of face or the character, but and I built kind of wildly. I don't do the construction plan. So the character comes out. And then I, the way he moves, the way he looks, and I follow that character and the character enhance. And that's this is how the first the manager came. And then he wasn't making music. He's just telling the story. He's kind of expressive. But the next thing was a band. And then I thought, like, with my old mate, what can we do? Let's make a band. And there was a certain life event that me and my mate, kids, and the band grew apart. So we both built a band. And I built, I started making this a bass player. And it took me one year just to make the self-playing hands. Because, as I said, that's not my preferred part or the technique part. And playing a bass, you have to be kind of precise. And, and I didn't have proper tools. Like, I started making this with a hand drill without a machine like this and making crooked holes all the time and it wasn't was didn't come easy <laughs> but it came so yeah eventually i had the, the bass player that was 2010 and i started the whole thing like yeah I, my first sculpture was a bit in 92 so it's a bit away what do you remember very best about the first time you had your band playing live your one love machine band where did you have them perform in public Oh, one of my groundbreaking things was just with the bass player when I had that finished in Rome. One of the first mega fairs in Rome. Was it, what, was it 214, I think? And since then, and that was amazing because, you know, the mega fair movement is like a big thing. Fairs all over the world. And, and they booked me and they got me to Rome. And that was also amazing just to go and travel there. And I met a lot of very good contact there. And I'm still in close contact with the Rome people. I go there every year since then. And it was, what can I say? I can say that at first it sees the feedback to it. And the feedback to it was beyond my expectations because everything, everybody became a child suddenly when they looked at that bass player playing not even the children. The children were the same as childish as the managers hanging around there. And, and soon everybody is like, okay, this is like a dream. Like a, That's what I say. I built like child dream robots. They're not, you know, they are like a comic, like a kind of cartoon of a robot, you know, because they are so low tech and they're so, you know, they're so, for me, they're sculptures. So then grew to the drama and the, the birds. And since then, I'm utterly happy that I can be on the road with them and show my art and live of it. And yeah, and it's, it's always really great. And other people really, really, really give me a lot of great feedback back for it. It's really beautiful. You've said you're not technical. You don't care that much for engineering. You're an artist. There are a lot of people out there who are creatives, and they're going to be pushed kicking and screaming into doing something technical because of the world we live in. What's your advice for anybody who's going to have to do engineering or other technical work to get their art or their message out? 
if you want to do some technical, you just have to somehow get through it and show it. What's my best advice? How to get your art out? Yeah, well, just make a lot, make a lot, and show it somehow. I mean, if you're not that technical, how did you learn the engineering? What did you have to do to make the technical stuff work well for you as an artist? To take a friend's help as well. Like, for example, the, how the robot band runs now, like we were in a bunch of friends, and one friend figured out, okay, we can use this system to run it, the robots over MIDI to control them. And for, like, hinges, I just copied my other friend to just to make a hinge, stuck a pipe through a pipe, and then it, it kind of turns <laughs> and welds something to it. <laughs> and took it from there until like like slowly said, okay, maybe you can take a pipe and I can put a, oh, I find a bearing which fits in there. The bearing got a hole and you can put a bar in there. And and so it's just fiddling and looking what's there and slowly, you know, just finding your way. You can, I found out that actually it's actually kind of helpful for if you make for the robots which don't need to play precise things that I have bad joints bad hinges, which lose hinges, because, you know, if play adds to the randomness and then they've got their own, it dampens the jitter and it adds to the character. They got there, sometimes the head goes like that and sometimes like that. And the robot decides it itself. So I just, you know, <laughs> I give it that randomness. I just like it. Let's look at the characters here. We've got Sir Elton Junk. I kind of get that he's a little bit moody, but I don't yeah. get quite yet yeah. the characters of the other robots. Who is whom and what do they do? Well, Sir Elton Junk is the oldest one, the manager, and I was with him in the park forever, so he's very close to me. I took him around the world as well. And then there's the first band members, Roots, a freaking bass player, as a freak kin bass player. It's a bit awkward, I must admit. He just freaked me out. It took four years to complete all together and he was like a ah, freaking bass player and when i was finished i looked at him i thought he kind of had an african spirit he plays bass he's got that the bob marley has got bmw from a car he bmw shoes but i painted like bob marley the way those shoes he plays the bass the heart of the music and i thought okay now he's got an african spirit so and then so a freaking, because he was freaking me out. I don't know, it just got stuck. A freaking bass player, which is very awkward. So we just call him to Roots. He's a kind of the mystic guy. He was my, the thing I had to beat that to tell myself I can do a music making robot sculpture. And it was kind of, yeah, it was a, it was a long way. And yeah, he turned out yet to be a mystic dog. Then, then there's a bird, the bird flute flock. And they are my, where I feel home in, my kind of passion. Each bird stands up, lifts his head, and also the air gets diverted. Each bird got one flute. So it's eight birds, eight flutes, C, and I've taped them off the flutes, C, D, E, F, G, A, H, C. So each bird's got one, so we got the octave all together. So they are my chorus, and they are very just light and cheery. My only problem is, that I have a hard time picking up the sound of the flutes because of the side noises and the flutes are so dim. And uh, But yeah, they are just beautiful, straightforward, my passion. And then the bass, the drummer, actually put all my 
my experience in because now I'm a master, more technical guy. I, I put lots of moving parts in him. And he is a little bit different to my other sculptures. So pretty much the whole body is construction of moving parts, including the valves. And, and my only the art is mainly in the head. But he turned out to be more cheery, a bit more approachable, more like the, the smiley guy. And he's called Rubble, which is also kind of a strange name. But in the beginning, he was he's mounted on a pallet. When he was drumming, he was moving himself with, his own, with the power of his own drumming and was walking out the workshop. So I put all these stones on, like <laughs> a lot of heavy stones, so he just would stay where he is, like, and not drum himself out the workshop. And, then, <laughs> and with the stones, it looked like he's sitting on a pile of rubble, and I thought it would be kind of funny when, when he rubble everything, you know, drum everything to pieces underneath him. So, <laughs> so the name Rubble got stuck, Rubble Boom Chuck. I so love he's happy, that. the happy baby guy, the baby of the band. You know. Did I read somewhere that you're thinking of putting in, or that you are putting in, a keyboardist? Yes, it's a little bit of a failed story because I haven't finished her or haven't completed her because a lot of things came in between. But yes, it's totally the pipeline. I've got an embryo of it, like her five fingers, <laughs> and about how I want to do, how I want to have the keyboard played. I would like to have like two pistons working against each other one down one up and then you can fine-tune the timing of when the one comes down the other one comes up to to create a touch sensitivity on the keyboard so you can like play forte or piano or extra forte with this two pistons so and then it's gonna have a slide it's gonna have two arms and yes it's <laughs> it's I've been talking about it too much. There's been a few live events here, which, which ho were holding it up. Like, you know, me trying to find a, a workshop, a space in Berlin. I got evicted a few times and I keep having to move spaces. And then the COVID came on top of that. So that put a little bit of a hold on. It makes me wonder with all the snags and everything with COVID and with the four years to make the bass player, a lot of people would have given up. What helped you to keep going with the bass player when you had a real creative block and how do I make this thing work? Oh, it's pure stubbornness. I it's love just, that. It's just thinking of stubborn because, you know, no, after the, I am quite stubborn there. And also, if I've been more stubborn, actually, it would have been four years. Like, I'm also, like, I just didn't do something else. And like, in between, I built another sculpture and make another bird or... A dog, or yeah, just create something else and try not to pressure myself so much. I mean, I brought a daughter in between my life, my family, and my dog, and and yeah, no. But in the end, pure stubbornness plus the that I believe that I can that there is something in it. And since it once the bass player was finished, I also got jobs with it, and now I'm and when the drama was finished, I got more jobs and better jobs. And now my life is really very nice in this way. I'm really grateful. It's really cool that I can live of it. And not only that, people are really, really happy to see it, you know, and I can you know it's the kids, especially like I've got so many kids and I can then run my stage how I like it. And I invite everybody on stage, you know, I don't have no problem 
that people destroy my robots, I let them come right on stage after the show and they can touch everything and look at everything and I show everything. And, and it's beautiful. It's the best job I, could, I couldn't have sorted up before, you know. It sounds like such a blast. The element of play has come up numerous times in our conversation. What have yes. you considered the very most fun that you've had playing with the robots? Oh, there's many, many parts. One is like when you build a sculpture and you wake them up and you see what's how the sculpture moves and what his abilities are and what the character is. Others are just pure moments of randomness where, for example, when I discovered this one song, when the drama was finished... Before I had a program with the bass player who was playing the song and, and they had the choreography. And then things like when the drama was finished, I had no program. And I thought, okay, what happens when I copy the program of the bass player and throw it into the drama? And, you know, and they are set up totally different. So on the bass player, it makes total sense. Every signal arrives everywhere at the right place. And the drama is totally random. It's just, they run the same program, but they are somehow on tune. And so I've copied the program, press play, and then suddenly the drummer starts to make its own beat, which is the random translation of the space player signals and also moves in a way I didn't manage to move him before because it turned out that the, where the bass player is plugging the strings on the bass really fast, on the drummer, it's the neck. And I've got on the drummer a very sophisticated neck <laughs> arrangement with lots of pistons there. And these quick, like very fast movements, which from the bass, which are now on the neck of the drummer, makes the head move in such an amazing way that it taught me things, you know? That's like, it's just this randomness. Like, for me, it's totally magic. Like, okay, this is all in tune. And then ah, you move it in such a smooth way. I haven't ever like managed. So those are the possibilities, you know, that I've, oh, I've created something here. And it's got all these possibilities of movements. And, but I don't know them yet. So it's like just, you know, discovering that and then playing that and bringing it out. And it's like playing, you know, it's like, it's like doing it by Smurf world when I was small. <laughs> As you play in the future, where do you want to go with the One Love Machine Band? How do you want to expand it? What would you really love to be doing, let's say, two, three years from now? Well, obviously, finish the keyboard S, the keyboard, expands the band. And really, I'd like to make it bigger into a real circus, I think, into like an art circus, traveling road show with bigger machines altogether. Kolya also recalled how the Mutoid Waste Company had worked with some bigger machines. In the past, he said, they acquired some army fighter planes and repurposed them to create art. They stuck him in center of Berlin in the earth, like a fighter plane, 14 meter. And I've got this plane still. I've got like one fighter plane and I like we mounted it on a crane back then and let it fly out of the Tacheles, out of an iconic art building of Berlin. It's very known, this MiG-21 taken off out of this arch of this art building, Tacheles. Uh, that was our group then. And so ideally, I'd like to to create a big roadshow, like a mixture of a circus, but with a cultural standard of an art exhibition. Uh, so to I don't know, create a story. Like I think circus, like I just worked in circus before. Circus needs renovating and it really needs, there's lots of room, like how we can reinvent circus. 
we still got animals here in, in Germany, the torturing tigers and torturing and elephants and, and, and all this. And this is like so medieval and it shouldn't happen. And, and there's a big niche there for like, there's not so many new age circuses. There's a Cirque du Soleil, there's Roncalli here, La Machine in France, but you can, you can kind of number them down. There's not so many like amazing new like machine shows. I like, I would like to create a big machine show circus in with an art exhibition niveau, which I opened then after the show as well. Everybody can look at the exhibits and, and piece like as sculptures. So, and travel. <laughs> I would go to see that circus. I will not go to see a circus where they're torturing elephants and tigers, the poor things. Oh, no, I think we, we, uh, we totally agree about that one. But they're still there. Are they still in America too? Oh, absolutely. I won't say names, but yes, there are some that have been going for decades uh, that still go. I saw them as a kid. I will not go to them now for that very reason. Exactly. Same here. So we can now replace the animals by robots i would like to make a robot tiger that's one of the things like just a classic circus number robot tiger imagine like a high-speed performance motorbike like and but this is a good tiger b and he sits like there's a tiger on this thing on this round thing and we have a burning loop hoop no hoop and and you know and this but this machine tiger then jumps through the hoop and it would be the same it would be more amazing than a real tiger because it's still dangerous and all that and if they have land and stuff like that, that'd be amazing. And you know, I was just dreaming on. But yeah, so also with high tech, with, like, with the drones or with, well, how do you say, when it looks like that something is happening, I forgot the word. Like an illusion, illusionist? Yeah, yeah, like an illusion, like an optic. When you, in, I mean, the high tech shows where there's a show where this whale comes out of the, this holographic stuff. I mean, so I think there's a lot of room there. It's like, I would. I want to do all. You know, I have my ideas with <laughs> with my things. But in that direction, I think there there's so much which could happen in circus wise. So yeah, that's why I would like to take it, just make it into a bigger show, and have a bigger reach. How can people best support you? What do you need? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Well, follow me everywhere. Even though I'm not a great, not so great and active, but I've got my channels and. I don't have uh, any way to, I uh, don't have any crowdfunding going on. I think the best would be to follow me now and wait for, wait for more wishes. <laughs> Where can people see your YouTube channel? Where can people see you perform? Where's your blog link? Well, shameless plug time. Where do people follow you? Yeah, well, it's most best is to just to give my name in Kolya Kugler at, at a search engine, one of them. But I must say also, I must admit that my my website again is in a derelict state, and I have to just redo it. But you find me under my name Kolya Kugler on www.kolyakugler.com. Should hopefully work soon again. You find in on YouTube. I'm under Kolya Kugler. I've got my channel, so and I've got over hundred followers now. Could become a little more. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. I'm under Kolya Kugler. I'm on Facebook. I'm under Kolya Kugler. So and, will you be exhibiting live at any maker fairs or anything where people can see the robots? Actually, now the year has just finished and my bookings for next year are all very vague. I'm definitely going to be in October in Rome again next year in, in October at the Maker Fair in Rome. There will be an event in Switzerland in August in Maison d'Ur, Glastonbury Festival in England. 
but the other ones are in the pipeline. I not, but in the moment, um, here winter's just turned in. I just come back from this tour, and for the next two months, I have nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now it's just cold here, and I live where we are situated. I still live in I live in containers, and I still live I live circus wise. Like I have containers, and I've got trucks, and the workshop is a bit cold, and we're just sinking in this. <laughs> In the winter, snow bit, so everything is slowed down a bit right here in the moment. I've never been colder in my life than when I spent January in Europe, uh, <laughs> Berlin, in the winter. I'll have to follow you, and I'll like you to update me on where you're going to be showing your robot sculptures in the future and anything yeah. else happening. My final question, usually for my podcast, is a signature question. If people can only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference... What would you like them to take away from you? Well, what I said before, never stop playing. Kolya, thank you for your time today. <laughs> thank you so much. You and I have been listening to artist Kolya Kukler, sculptor, roboticist, and creator of the One Love Machine Band, a troupe created entirely of robots that play real instruments and are crafted from scrap metal. You can follow Kolya on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube at Kolya Kukler, Spelling his name K-O-L-J-A is the first name. Kugler is K-U-G-L-E-R. To find out more about the One Love Machine Band, any additions, and where they're going to be performing. Also check out Kolya's blog at koliakugler.blogspot.com and his website at koliakugler.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.